Welcome to Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builder Spotlight. I'm your host, Eric L. Dunavant, the Mindset Disruption Strategist and President and CEO of Paradigm. My teams and I redefine success for purpose-driven families and businesses by challenging social norms and balancing family and finance to build kingdom impact and generational prosperity. I believe that there are families and businesses that have learned to give a new definition to the word success from a kingdom perspective. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the next 20 to 30 minutes where we take traditional thinking and turn it upside down. Welcome everyone. This is Eric L. Dunavant, the Mindset Disruption Strategist. We are here again for another episode of Redefining Success. And I've never been more curious about sitting down with a guest than I am today. I mean, this is Phil Palucha. He is the CEO and founder of Billionaires in Boxers. And I have not figured out whether or not to be intrigued or a little bit frightened by that title. So um, (laughs) he is also... He's top 5% in podcasts, but this is the other thing I want to talk a little bit about. Number one in the world as a consultant to consultants. And so you don't get to this place without a journey of redefining success. And so, Phil, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, it's going to be lots of fun. And you should be afraid. Um, <laughs> no, it's uh, the, the, the title was actually originally a joke. Um so we've been picked up uh, by a radio show, which was going really well. And then we got our first ever TV series and we needed a name for the TV series. And everything I suggested, they hated um, <laughs> to the point where I was almost banned from naming my own TV show. Um, so I did what I usually do in that situation. And I just started joking around and I was like, how about billionaires in boxes? Because I grow global empires from home and rarely put on pants. <laughs> And they were like, we love that. Let's go with it. And I was like, it was a joke, right? It was just, I was joking. Um, fast forward after the first TV series, it went so well that we just completely rebranded all of our work, the broadcast network and the consulting firm and everything just fell under billionaires in boxes. That's fantastic. That is so good. Hey, Phil, before we get started, my first question typically is always the same. So it's a Saturday afternoon. I've got the barbecue grill fired up. I've invited all my friends over. My listeners are my friends. Do real quick, other than the stuff we've already talked about, introduce yourself to my friends, if you would. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, So uh, most entrepreneurs, most business owners are waiting to be discovered. I'm the guy that shows you how to invite yourself. Mm. I love that. That's fantastic. You married kids, any family? I am, yeah. So uh, wife of 10 years. In fact, we're 10 years, just Wednesday, just gone. Um, it's incredible. Like how she's not murdered me is a miracle. Um, I mean, she's been there through all the highs and lows and she's very, uh, how do I word this? She's very traditional, right? She's very go to university, get the job. Like, why are you leaving a really well-paid position to go and play entrepreneur? Um, she's, she's happy about it now. I'm not so she was so happy about it at the beginning. Um, and we also have two children together, nine and five years old. So, ah, those are great ages. Those are great ages. It's a lot of fun. Bill, if we look at what you've got going on today, what are you most passionate about today? What am I most passionate about today? Um, so 
I'm all about championing the underdog. That's so I, I I've done a lot of reflection on like my life's mission. And I truly believe that my purpose here is to create endless opportunities to champion the underdog. Mm. Um, I've worked with some very, very big people and I never get the same level of satisfaction and kick as I do with working with somebody smaller and helping them to, to it's the underdog story, right? Let's beat yeah. the big guy. David beats Goliath. I'm showing you how to throw the rock. Mm. Um, so that's a lot of fun. So um, we have a TV series, uh, which I was talking to you about in the green room, which is just about to come out where I'm investing 25 million rand. So about, three million dollars there are thereabouts of my own money into four different businesses across southern africa um there are some phenomenal entrepreneurs in that region and mm. there's no middle class right it's all haves and have nots yeah. so a lot of the people who have these incredible ideas that would have the ability to change the world and have a massive impact are never actualized because they don't know the people and they don't have the resources um, I have both of those. So we're, mm. we're putting together a television competition where people will apply and go through a series of challenges. And and then the winners will receive investment from me, our mentorship and access to our wider billionaires in boxes network as well. There's so much in that. I want to be careful where we go next. I'm probably going to come back to that. I want to know more about your story. How do you get mm. to be Phil Palucha, CEO, founder of billionaires and boxers? How do you get to be top 5%? I mean, this, there, I've always told people that, you know, if you can become a success in 10 years, that's an overnight success. So yeah, very true. I'd love to know kind of a little bit more about your journey. And not only that, maybe kind of tell the audience maybe kind of about some of the biggest obstacles you faced while you were walking that out. Oh, I mean, every, every step is an obstacle. I mean, I often say to my clients, the reason I'm able to do so well today is because I've tried every wrong door. <laughs> um, you know, there, there was no luck involved in this in fact i would say there was a lot of unluck um so i was originally a, a professional athlete um so football for me soccer for you yep uh, and then i got medically retired pretty early on so uh, late teens early 20s i kept fracturing my shin bone and that was the end of that mm. um they didn't want bionic man in the professional league so <laughs> that was that um, and, and that was a that was probably the first major, I mean, outside deaths of the family and things like that professionally, that was like the first major block for me because, uh, I thought I had my career mapped out for the next 50 years. I was going to mm. play till my mid thirties. Then I was going to coach. Then I was going to become a television pundit. And now here I was, you know, for the first time since the age of six, I was no longer Phil the footballer. Mm. I was like, well, what am I now? Um, so I went and retrained and I became a surveyor and I had some incredible success in the world of real estate, working with some massive brands, um, that everybody will know some huge names. And, and that was fun. I got to board level with them very quickly, mainly because I took that, uh, winning mentality with me. I often say in sports, actually, the funny thing is people think that athletes love winning. We don't, we just really hate losing. Um, <laughs> and, and there is a difference. Um, so it's not that we are like hooked on that feeling of winning. It's just that we're so terrified of the feeling of losing, mm. um, which is, it's, it's good. Cause once you've tasted it and you felt it, it's the motivation to never go there again. Right. Um, so I was doing really well. And then I just, I kind of found myself in a weird position because um, my wife just got pregnant. Uh, this is like 2012. So my wife had fell pregnant and my mom got diagnosed with stage four cancer. And at the time I was living in Cape Town, South Africa. So about 8,000 miles away from home. And it was like, okay, we need to go home. And every job that I kept being offered was a regional job, like Middle East and North Africa, Europe. Mm. And I was like, there's no point trying to be close to the home so I can help. And then being on the road six days a week, that doesn't make any sense. 
So I set up my own business and it went horrifically, um, like really, really bad. So I, if I was to sum it up quickly, I had no idea what I was doing, right? I'd always worked for like really big corporates where my ideal of business development was checking my emails and choosing a project. Right. Um, I, I had no idea you had to win clients. I had no idea that sometimes people say yes to you and then don't pay. Mm. Um, I had no idea that clients didn't pay on time. Like all of this was complete news to me. I was like, what, what do you mean? Like I just send them the invoice out to accounts and then it lends in my account. Right. And they're like, <laughs> good, good luck with that. Um, like what's happening? Yeah. Um, so I didn't know what to do, but what had, what had happened was whilst I'd been in the corporate world, I'd previously grown and sold two sports podcasting networks. And that was my attachment still to sport. And what I'd realized about it was it was a phenomenal networking tool. I mean, podcasting allowed me to VIP network with anybody I wanted to. So I suddenly had this sort of epiphany, literally in the middle of the night, where I thought, I wonder if I can use that in business. Mm. So my very primitive strategy, but it worked, was I made a list of the top 100 companies that I wanted to work with. I invited each of their CEOs onto a podcast to talk about themselves and their business. Fast forward three months, I've now got 21 people working for me full-time globally because I've bitten off way more than I could chew. Yeah. Um, ran two businesses like that very successfully uh, and then exited both of them, sold both of them, which was great. Uh, was too young to retire, didn't have enough money to last me for the next 50 years. I was doing pretty well, but not 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 with my spending habits. It wasn't going to last 50 <laughs> years. Um, and I didn't know what to do, so I started doing some consulting gigs here and there. And then a lot of people started to come to me and say, how did you get that TV show? How did you get that keynote speaking gig? How mm -hmm. did you win that client? And I got so sick of telling them that I did it through networking by utilizing podcasting and media that I just started a business teaching people how to do that. Right. Fast forward almost seven years. We're, we're now in our fifth year of being ranked number one in the world in this space. There's 16 of us full time globally doing this. And welcome to Billionaires in Boxes. <laughs> What was you talked about your wife a little bit in this? I would be curious to know, like, especially when it's struggling, you're not a footballer anymore. Yeah. Um, now you're and you're stepped out of the corporate to kind of go do your own thing. Yeah. What What's she saying through all of this? Go and get a real job. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so I think, you know, when are you going to give this up? When are you going to go back? Like, okay, you've had some fun now. Go, go do what's stable again all of that right because she you know she was scared she was pregnant yeah. and and like just talk about jumping into the fire with two feet right like I've, I've got a dying mother who i'm spending time in hospital with i've got my uh family back home to take care of i've got staff to take care of and now i'm trying to just leave and go and do my own thing and it was it was the in many ways it was the worst timing but in other ways it was the best timing because Failure wasn't an option. Mm. Um, so I had to find a way to make this happen. I think if I'd have had that safety net of let's go back, um, I I don't think it would have been as successful. But there was something in my mind that said, I'm never going to work for somebody else ever again. Mm. And and once I've made that decision, it was done. I'm quite stubborn like that. Mm. Um, but even I was kind of thinking, I'm going to have to admit defeat here and, and go back. Um, but I remember one one Christmas in particular. In fact, it was a very, very valuable lesson I learned quite early on. I was working on this huge project with this one client, and it was really good money as well. Like it was like eighty grand a quarter. I was really pleased at yeah. the time. I was like, "This is great." Um, 
And then they didn't pay in the summer because they were having cash flow issues. So it kept kind of getting pushed on and pushed on and pushed on. And they went bust two weeks before Christmas. And basically I got told uh, that that was it. There was, there was no money. And at this point they owed me about 90 grand maybe. Um, so and that's yeah. in pounds. So it's probably about 110, $120,000. Yep. Um, and I had to get a credit card out to pay for Christmas. And my wife and I didn't exchange gifts that year because we just wanted to make sure that we had enough for the kids. And it was, I, I, I mean, Christmas is always quiet anyway, right? For business. Cause everyone's, yep. everyone's off during that period. It was the worst period in the world for me because every minute felt like an hour. And I just sat brooding in my failure, mm. knowing that I'd caused this situation but also knowing that I couldn't wait for the offices to open in January again so I could fix it. Because at that moment, there was no way of fixing it. Everybody was closed. Everybody was on vacation. And I often think back to that Christmas. My, you know, my wife doesn't bring it up, but I occasionally think about it. And I, it, it's kind of like my barometer of how far we've come. But it's also my motivation for oh, we, we got to keep going because I want to be as far away from that place yep. as humanly possible. Were you able to find any peace during that season? Because, I mean, here's the real issue, right? It's it's Christmas time, as you said, until you hit maybe January 2nd or 3rd, there's nothing you can do about it. How did you mentally get through that season in one sense, knowing that that period was completely out of your control? badly i didn't deal with it well at all i was very mm. angry with myself i mm. basically spent three weeks torturing myself mm. um and be the nobody has ever spoken to me as negatively as my head speaks to me mm. um and at that particular moment like i was calling myself every name under the sun i'd never been so ashamed of the situation i was i was embarrassed i was angry i was frustrated um but you know what? A, a lot of that at the time was very painful, but that pain became fuel. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I I wanted to make sure that we were never in that situation ever again. Uh, and in fact, I almost had to be careful with my mindset not going too far the other way, because at one point I recognized probably about two years ago that I was getting to the point where enough was never enough. Ah. um like we could this five million dollars in the bank and i'm like it's not enough where's the 10 like how do we get to 10 what where's the 11 like what 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 if you know hypothetically we have two years and no one pays us any money and it's like well why is that gonna happen <laughs> so um but this is what my head does is it's constantly challenging me and pushing me to go to do the next thing and, and a lot of it is um i don't know whether this is the the nicest thing to admit but i think a lot of this is I remember what rock bottom feels like. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, my earlier life until I was signed professionally in sports wasn't great. I mean, like I lost a parent very young. Um, I was kicked out of school at 14 and then I was made homeless as a result. I was in and out of the social care system. Mm. Um, like my life was not supposed to be where it is today. Statistically, like I am the anomaly. Right. But every time something went wrong, I would instantly go back to see I am a failure. I am destined for nothing. Mm. So mm. so even when business is going very well, like my team are celebrating and I'm not celebrating. I'm going, OK, what's next? Like, what's mm. the next milestone? What's the next achievement? You know, we, you mentioned earlier um, being ranked number one in the world. The, the phrase that I always use is we were number one in the world yesterday. Today, we're still fighting for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's the attitude I take into every day, which is yesterday we did it. What about today? Yeah. Yeah. What about your wife today? I mean, does she at least believe that this is going to work? 
Oh, for sure. I mean, like, obviously, she gets to see the success now, so she's very happy. <laughs> um, she doesn't work. She doesn't need to work, which is great. Um, she, my children are both homeschooled, so she's doing a great job raising them. So that's allowed us the freedom. We we live and work all over the world, which is great. We can be wherever we want to be, whenever we want to be. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So it's it's very different now, but she's definitely a seeing is believing type of person, whereas. I was the vision. Like I knew where we were going before we'd even started on the road. Yeah. Whereas my wife is, yeah, I don't, don't sell me the story. Show me the bank. That's <laughs> right? it. Show, that's show it. me the end results. Show me the products. I think that's, so the more that she's seen that, the more confident that she has become. And what's, what's great about that is she, she also knows my mindset. So while she is, she's my cheerleader, she's my cheerleader in as much as she, she knows what I, she knows what I need to hear. Mm-hmm. So she knows when to tell me to rest and she knows when to say, you've done a good job. Acknowledge that, you know, she, she's a great man manager as well, which I'm not particularly. Um, so she's very good at saying to me, go back and acknowledge the team. Now we've just done something amazing with that. Like, don't just focus on what's next that you're going to burn them out. Yeah. Um, and she's, she's great at that. Cause my head is always, five ten steps further forward so she's great at helping me to live in the now and appreciate today bill this is an interesting timing we're recording this i would love for you to speak to the because by the time this episode comes out we're going to probably be pretty close to christmas if not in the christmas season right so what would you say to the listener who's listening during christmas season who's in the exact same spot you were in at that point what would you say to them today wow Good question. What would I say to somebody who's in that position today? I'd probably say two things because hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? Um, number one is split your time. Split your time through preparation. Beating yourself up is not fixing anything. So you know, take action. Take action, and and that action can be if everyone else is off on vacation. Be getting your lead generation list ready. Be getting your LinkedIn list ready. Be getting the events that you want to speak at and doing your research to find out who the event organizers are. So the second everyone's back in the office, you can start having conversations again and you can start getting on with this. Mm. The other thing I would say is you're probably in a slightly better position than I was because I think things have changed a lot since COVID. I work with a lot of entrepreneurs who actually aren't going to be taking anywhere near as much time off this holiday season because they're still trying to catch up from the damage that COVID did. So I think that window of four weeks when people are off on vacation, unless you're working really high up in the corporate world, I don't think you're going to experience as many people off as you think. I think you're still going to be able to line up calls and have conversations and be finding people. Um, So take action, get prepared, right? Um, what is it? What is it they say? Uh, failure to prepare is preparing to fail. fail. Yep. Right. Uh, so that's point number one. Point number two is to appreciate the most important ingredient for success that I think you have to have failed before you recognize what the most important ingredient for success is. And the most important ingredient for success is rest. Mm. The mm. more you have, the more you have, the more you can help. I absolutely hate this hustle, hustle, bs mentality that's being sold to people it's not true i work two to three days a week now and i've earned more money now than at any other point in my entire life we've never been so successful and i'm off more than i'm in um and i think this whole 
you know, just work and work and work, you're going to cause burnout. Like you wouldn't go to the gym 12 hours a day because you know, you're going to cause an injury. So why would you think that mentally or physically or even emotionally or spiritually you can do that? Um, I'd much rather you worked four hours a day at a hundred percent than 15 hours a day at 50%. Mm. Mm. That's a nugget right there. Ah, on that note, that's why all none of my team have working hours. They all have flexi hours. I, it's a, it's a, every single person in my business is judged on results, not on the amount of time that they're working. In fact, I go so far as to go the other way. If they're working too many hours to get the results, then they're not doing it efficiently or effectively, and we need to fix that. Mm. Um, this is not a nine to five world anymore. Yeah. Um, you can you can achieve a tremendous amount in three to four hours in a day and do so at a hundred percent. So that people love who you are and what you can achieve. Yes. Yes. I want to shift over. I want to talk about this new television series because you are on to one of my passions. Okay. Which is the fact that, you know, when we talk about success, that sometimes the key to success in certain communities is hope. Yeah, definitely. And is that there are communities who have been out without hope and without dreams. And when you can go into those, especially those who are experiencing, maybe grew up in more poverty or sure. things like that. And it sounds like that's what you're wanting to do by investing in these businesses. So talk a little bit more about that, because that really starts to get me excited. You know, I think I, I will touch on that in a second, but just to kind of comment on what you said, uh, I find that not just in the emerging markets. Like I, I find people from Michigan who say, I can't do that because I'm black or, mm, you know, yep. I, so, so it's not necessarily the, only the emerging markets who have this. I think it's the misconceptions. Don't get me on this run, but I think it's the misconceptions that the educational system and the media portray on people. Yes. Um, well, you, you can't do this because you didn't go to this Ivy league school and you can't do this because you, you know, it's nonsense. It's complete nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a quote the other day uh, from Elon Musk saying about, um, I think education is important. I didn't go to Harvard, but everyone that works for me did. Um, <laughs> and I, and I, I really like that quote because it's, it's very, very powerful. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, uh, a lot of this comes down to misconceptions and mindset. It, it's, the, it's what people have been conditioned to think is possible for them. Yeah. Um, which is why I hate the education system. Like I've written, I've written a book that comes out next year um, called underdog champion unknown to unrivaled. Mm. And I didn't actually realize until after I'd written the book that two whole chapters are me just ripping on the education system um, saying that it's designed to create workers, not entrepreneurs. Yes. And if they really cared about entrepreneurs, they wouldn't give you a grade card at the beginning of the year and tell you to get straight A's. They'd give you give you a grade card, tell you to get two A's and go and partner with people in your school year who are equally as good at their part. So you can do that because that's how a business works. That's exactly right. Um, so they actually might tell you to fail a class or two so you can learn something. Correct. I mean, you think about it. If I got an A star in one thing and flunked every other class, I'd be in front of the principal. I'd be in trouble, right? <laughs> right. That in business just made me a billionaire. That's right. Um, so <laughs> it, it, the, the mindset is just completely, completely wrong with this. Um, now, I, I got to experience South Africa a lot. It's where my wife's from. Um, we originally met on Twitter, of all places, talking about football, which is hilarious. Um, and within a few months of talking, I decided I, I want to be with this woman. So I, I gave up everything and I moved over to South Africa to go be with her. Never been there before. Um, and I found myself in a country that I'd never experienced before or, mm. or anything like it. I found myself in a country that 
um, and anybody who's either lived be, lived in or been to South Africa, I'm sure will recognize this. For a start, it's a country of the haves and the have-nots. Mm. Um, you know, you have the pools, the houses with the pools and the Bentleys that look like they belong in Bel Air, and a mile down the road is the shanty, shanty town with tin roofs, no running water. Um, and there's a lot of crime, and people say, oh, well, why is there crime? And it's like, why is there crime? Like, if I couldn't feed my kids, I'd go steal too. Like, I don't understand how this is even a discussion. Right. Um, you know, there, but for the grace of God goes I kind of Amen. thing. Yep. But but you meet a lot of people in that situation, and, and it is a lack of hope. It's, well, I can't do this because. Look at, wh- look at where I was born into. Look at my circumstances. You know, my parents are broke, so I'll be broke. Um, and, and that's really sad because, you know, many of these people have incredible ideas that if they were let loose on the world would be incredibly impactful. Mm-hmm. Now, here's a funny thing to tell you. Maybe not, maybe funny is the wrong word, but interesting at least. A, a lot of the people who I meet who do actually have a bit more drive in terms of they believe they can achieve a bit more, if they've still put a self-imposed limit on it. So they'll say things like, I'd love to have my own business doing this. And then you follow that through and you say, okay, well, who would it be working with? Well, I'd love to do it across South Africa. It's like, why? South Africa has no money. Like mm. the rand is like horrific. It's been getting worse steadily since like 2008. Um, why not earn dollars and spend rand? Why can't you compete on a global scale? Why can't you go toe to toe with that New York ad agency? And instead of taking the attitude that often comes out of India, which is how do we compete on them? Well, we'll offer the services for a third of the price. Right. It's like, no, like why can't you earn the same amount of money that the New York ad agency does and produce better results? We live in a global world. Like the people who from New York who are hiring firms in Chicago rarely meet them face to face. The people in California rarely are speaking to the people they're working with in Vancouver. They're not seeing them. It's yeah. on Zoom. So if it's on Zoom, why can't it be on Zoom with Cape Town? Why can't it be on Zoom with Johannesburg? Why can't it be on Zoom with Durban? There's no reason for this. But it's this self-imposed limitation of even if I have a successful business, it will only be in this very small part of the world because why mm. would anybody else want me? And that is heartbreaking because actually I look at the talent there and I think you could absolutely crush some of these established markets. And let me tell you the number one reason why. And I don't mean this in a literal sense. Hunger. They are hungrier than you. The West is lazy. Yep. The, 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 the many people in the West, it's like, how do I do this? But like deliver less, like, how do I earn the same? Like uh, these agencies that are like, well, you know, we'll do a bit of work and then we'll, we'll kind of see what happens. I hear this all the time about social media agencies, for example, clients saying that unless they're a big agency that can give them like a hundred thousand dollars a month budget, they don't care about them. They'll take their five grand a month retainer. They'll do some ads for them, but they don't care about them. They're just this small company. Yeah. That client to a South African firm is their everything. They're rolling out the red carpet for you. They're doing everything they possibly can to put you at the top of your industry so that you stay with them. So, you know, what's that saying? Somebody else's trash is another man's treasure, treasure. Yeah. right? So in, in the US, many of these agencies and businesses are looking at their clients like trash because they're the low end. But somewhere else, you're someone's treasure and they will treasure you and they will do an incredible job to deliver for you. And it's about making those international introductions and partnerships mm. happen. That that excites me no end. Yeah, yeah. Um. We're getting close to the end. I hate that. This has been so good. We could talk for a long time. Is there anything I didn't get to ask you questions about that you wanted to share? I want to give you a little bit of space for that. 
No, brother. Honestly, you're t- uh, you can ask me anything you like. This is if this is helping people, then I'm 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 happy. So you ask me whatever you like. No, that was okay. Well, good. I'm excited to hear. What tell us what the new television show is when it comes out? Is there like in the states? How would people connect with it? How would they watch it? What would that look like? Great question. So it's probably going to be about twelve months until you're going to be able to watch it because we're recording over the whole of 2023. The recording okay. starts in March. Um, it's called Future Billionaires in Boxes. Um, and it's going to be aired across 26 million homes across the emerging markets, predominantly Africa and Asia, although a little bit of Latin America. Um, But the U.S. audience will be able to watch it on our streaming channels shortly after that, which will be Roku, Amazon Fire, and Apple, I think. (laughs) I'll I'll make sure you can find it. Don't worry. It will be on on all good networks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm sure somebody will pick it up as as well as a rerun, but it will initially air in those markets because that's predominantly where it's aimed. But then following from that, you'll be able to view the content. What about if people want to follow you, be in touch with you, know the stuff that you've got going on, Phil? What's the best way to do that? Uh, LinkedIn, I think, is probably the best bet. I'll, I'll let you in on a little secret. LinkedIn's the only social media I actually have anything to do with personally. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, LinkedIn's a good place. Come and follow us. I can't guarantee I can connect because I keep going over the 30,000 allowance <laughs> and then LinkedIn keeps shouting at me. Um, but you can give us a follow on there. You'll actually get to see drip bits of the content because we're also going to be releasing bits of the content throughout the year um the new podcast series comes out end of the year so probably by the time you're listening to this the first episode of that'll be out as well so you can start catching up on that which will be brilliant um i also run a free networking event which was originally monthly now it's more like bi-monthly um because it generates too many calls and leads to get done in a month (laughs) um but it's called profitable networking monthly and it's a free event that allows people to come it's a great event we usually have about 1500 people to 2000 people sign up we we Mm. run for four hours loads of breakout sessions it's completely free to attend there is no upsell uh there's not a pitch fest this is about helping people's businesses grow you uh, out of it i've seen people win clients i've seen people win partnerships i've seen people get media interviews podcast interviews everybody leaves with podcast interviews usually at least 10 um mm. there's just some phenomenal stuff that happens there as well and and you really kind of get to learn from some great people who are in different places and i call it industry and geographical cross-pollination mm. because we get to look at what ideas are working in other places in other industries and implement them into your own business which is which is phenomenal the that's on your the the profitable networking monthly is on your linkedin what's the best Pro- way to find that profitable networking monthly is on my linkedin if you follow me you will definitely see posts about it okay. uh it's also always 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 advertised as a linkedin event so if you actually that go and cool. search on the search bar at the top of linkedin for profitable networking monthly you will find us perfect i feel a little bad because most of my guests i warn them this question's coming but you've done so good with everything else my last question is always the same in three generations, what do you hope your great grandchildren remember about you? That I was the star of the legacy. Mm. Mm. Yes, that's beautiful. Phil, thank you. This has thank been you. so rich. This has been so good. Thank you for making the time to be with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. And I hope your audience have got a lot out of it too. There's, there's, I, look, it's if an they interesting journey. That's on them. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what? Do you know what? Be, being an entrepreneur is a very is a very interesting journey. Um, I describe being an entrepreneur as someone who's unemployable. Um <laughs> and the the reason for that is we 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 march to the beat of our own drum. And yeah. some days, 
you know, you will get down and ask yourself why you're doing this. Some days other people will ask you why you're doing this, but I want your audience to remember this one last thing. The people that asked you why you're doing it will be the first to ask you how you did it. Mm. Yes, they will. Yes, they will. Phil, thank you for dropping such great nuggets of wisdom. Thank you again. Everyone, we will be with you again next time. God bless you. Have a fantastic day. Eric L. Dunavit here. Thank you so much for joining us for Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builder Spotlight. If you're a business owner or a family who is actively redefining success or have thoughts on kingdom impact or generational prosperity, and you would like to be a guest on the show, then I invite you to apply. Visit www.ericldunavant.com slash podcast slash apply. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to share that either through text or social media. Take a screenshot of the show and share that and share what you learned. If you know anyone that should be a guest on our show, we would also love for you to connect us to them. The best way to do that is to use hashtag redefining success. I love to read your thoughts and shares on social media. And we also are honored just to get any recommendations of people that you think we should be interviewing on the show. We are constantly adding new content, adding new podcasts. So first and foremost, I'm going to recommend that you subscribe so that you don't miss a thing. Also, you all of your likes, your reviews, your shares, all of that makes a big difference to the show. So if you'll include those when you can, we definitely appreciate it. If you'd like to get in touch with me, visit www.ericl360.com and all of my connections to social and other ways to get in touch with me are there. This is Eric L. Dunavant, the Mindset Disruption Strategist, signing off. Until next time.